you're at the right place, right place, at the right time, you found the number one podcast, number one podcast, that entertains that space between your ears, we invite you to relax, pull up a chair, and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. Have an idea? Question? Want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Mousecapades Podcast anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. So, grab your magic band. And your Mickey ears, because it's time for another episode of the Mouth Capades Podcast. Once upon a time in the hidden heart of France, a handsome young prince lived in a beautiful castle. Although he had everything his heart desired, the prince was selfish and unkind. Master, it's time. He taxed the village to fill his castle with the most beautiful objects. Oui, maître. And his parties with the most beautiful people. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. That's what we're here to talk about on the Mascapades Podcast. I'm with Tim, and I'm with Nick, and we are going to let you know what we think about the live version of Beauty and the Beast. Just as good as the original cartoon. As good? I thought it was almost better. That was oh, the, big, better? That was the really? big controversy this oh. weekend when we were talking about it. I did something to your computer there, Tim. My bad. And Nick has just messed up all of Tim's notes. Thank I God did. there's a back button. The live-action film was amazing. Some things we're going to go over. We're going to go over the plot, movie info, uh, the cast that they had, previewing thoughts, or post-viewing thoughts, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, to say the least. All right? Oh, and trivia. I forgot about the trivia. Yeah, you threw trivia in there, Tim? I got trivia, man. Oh, sweet. I can't wait to hear about that. Good. So Tim's going to come to Trivia Night for the marching band that I'm yeah. hosting in the end of April. I'll well, be at Disney. Off, the so, very end? The very end. Uh, so Josh Gad made uh, a, an appearance at the Be Our Guest restaurant. Yes. Last did week, you, right? Yeah. Did you hear about that? I did. Came in singing Be Our Guest. And it, how cool is that if you were just sitting there eating lunch and all of a sudden Josh Gad, the voice of Olaf. You mean Olaf comes in? Yeah, and Olaf. And Lafew, right? I know the whole you movie Brad's like, yeah, Olaf, why, know, why, right? do, why do I know that voice? How come I know that voice? We're like, shh, shh. And then finally I said, Olaf. And he's like, what? And then we get out after the movie and he goes, now do I know that guy? And we're like, it was Olaf. And I, then he was like, oh. I know the whole time through the film I'm thinking, can I? And I like warm hugs. <laughs> you know, like, that was just in summer. Yeah, in summer. That was just, yeah, pretty cool. So, going into this film, can I can I start there real quick before we start, like, with plot and cast? Yeah. I just want to say, going into this film, I thought it was going to royally suck. What? I did. I told Even Aaron. Even with all the hype? Yep. I told Aaron that. Even after looking at the previews, I told Tim that. I said, I am, my expectations of this film is extremely low. And because I didn't think anything could top the cartoon. Which. Beauty and the Beast was an original cartoon that Walt wanted to do back right after Snow White, by the way. Did you guys know that? I did know that. Yeah. So he wanted to make it way back in the day, but like it's it probably just... Probably some of his trivia you just remembered. Ooh, no, it's was not. it? No, was no, it? No, 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 you're good. Uh, my bad. We should really should talk before we record. <laughs> no, you don't so, like, you like the spontaneity. I do, I do like the spontaneity. So let's go over the plot. I'm just going to steal this from you, Tim. I'm sorry. The plot... Oh, you, you just go. I can't say it. Well, this is a movie remake of the 1991 Disney film of the same title, Beauty and the Beast. Belle, who this time is played by Emma Watson, is a bright, beautiful, and independent young woman who's been taken prisoner by a beast who's played in this film by Dan Stevens. So despite her fears, she befriends the castle's enchanted staff 
and learns to look beyond the beast's hideous exterior, allowing her to recognize that true beauty lies within. Not that that was scripted or anything. No, it was, was not. That, it was, was completely that, off was the that top copy of and pasted top of from, Was that copy and pasted? I actually wrote that. I could tell. That's pretty impressive. I could tell that was that's your lingo. <laughs> so can we go right to the... Uh, oh, you're going... You're telling who's movie... You want to do the Olaf movie info was in first. It. Oh, okay. He, he has that first. We don't want to mess up his little... Okay. Directed by... Bill Condon. Music? Alan Minkin, who of came course. back Minkin and wrote some additional songs for the film. Yeah. But not the actual movie score, which I was right. hoping they would have played at the very end. They didn't, and I think that may be something you want to talk about oh, later, yeah. right? I'm not happy okay. about that. I wasn't either, I was, and you and I talked about that right off the bat. The length of the film? Hour and 29 minutes. Okay. Rating? It was only PG? Well, it was yes. PG-13. Yeah. Okay. And then they changed it. And I don't know if they took something out to change it. Or or what happened? Some blood. But it was PG thirteen. How much did it, how much did they put into the film? They spent three hundred million. And how much did it make on opening weekend? Three hundred and fifty million. A hundred and seven domestic. A hundred and eighty across the seas. Wow, that that's is. a lot of money. So, um, you mentioned that the character of the Beast was paid, played by Dan Stevens, and to I didn't really know this character. Did you guys know him in anything else, like manly movies that I wouldn't watch? Well, he's he's a British actor, right? Right, but I know sometimes that they are in other movies that I don't necessarily care to go and watch. Watch, and so. he'll be the next Bond. Uh, it, it, I didn't recognize no, him from anything, but I, I, some articles I've read, he's pretty famous over there. Well, oh. his, I mean, I just thought his voice was pretty good that we had never heard of him before. So, of course, Belle, played by... Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Hermione yeah. Granger. We talked about the Emma Watson. <laughs> she broke out of her um, shell. Yeah, and she sang very well. So all these casts, all the cast actually sang their own right. like songs, right? Right, but on the soundtrack, it's Ariana Grande and... Well, um, that's Disney. the popular right. release. But in the right. movie, oh, yeah. though, when they're singing... They sang their own parts, They yes. sang their own parts. And you know, when she was they cast... They sounded amazing. When yeah. she was cast for the role, the first thing she did... Well, she went out and got voice lessons. Well, no that's smart. way, yep. really. That was really good. Yep. I mean, when she opened up with the beginning song, like you see in the cartoons and you hear, I was totally impressed. I told Aaron, I leaned over within the first five minutes of the film, and I said, I love it. And did she say, shh, you're ruining my <laughs> no, experience? No, she's, she looked back at me and said, dude, I love it too. Like, this is amazing. And she even went in thinking, She's not a Diz fan like us. Well, I have to give you but she a reason why it. I just said that because my son was talking during the movie and it was driving me crazy because when he'd see something he liked, he would lean over to my daughter, but he has a really deep voice now. So you right. can hear it. And so I leaned over and said, shh. So then when I asked Kaylee for a napkin about halfway through, he goes, shh, you're ruining my experience. And so then that was the rest of the way that rest of the movie, if I coughed, he'd say, shh, you're ruining my experience. So that's why I threw that in. Annoying children. So, so anyways, who else, who else it was we have awesome. Josh Gad right. played Lafew. Now, this character, he had a lot of controversy, or the film had a lot of controversy over this character. I didn't think there was anything worthy of what we've been hearing the past week or week and a half. Right. Do you yeah. agree? I agree. There are undertones like everything else. I mean, it's Every, everywhere. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and so that's one of the things to, to jump just a little bit. I had in my ugly portion of the review. Okay. The hype surrounding that, the you know, this first openly gay Disney character, I think it was um, it was unfounded. It you know the undertones were there absolutely, right. but if you have seen the original, you know that LeFou is is infatuated with Gaston already. Right. You know this should not be a surprise to you. So and, and while it may be the first openly gay, or at least on screen openly gay character. Um, I mean, what about a bunch of hogwash? I mean, if you're offended by that, there are a lot of Disney movies you probably shouldn't go see. So it's sort of like my uh, my man crush on Brad Pitt. Right? No? He is good looking. Huh? What? But, no? But what? I'm, I'm a woman. Uh, did, I say that say that? did I say that out loud? <laughs> You've said that out loud before. Did I say it out loud? Nick oh. is our first openly gay Mascapades uh, <laughs> podcast guy. No, he's he's definitely not. I see how he looks at his wife. Wouldn't it make me buy if I had a wife okay, and kid? Let, let's, let's move on. Oh, okay, we're moving on. Because I'm really supposed to be leaving right now. Okay, we got to keep this PC. I know, I'm trying. Well, because it's about a kid's movie, basically. I mean, it's not just for kids, but... I liked I liked Josh Gad playing LeFou. I also, I leaned over and I said, hey, you know who could have played this role 
Jack Black. Oh, yeah, I think he would have played a great LeFou, but I don't know if he would have played a very just infatuated with Gaston. I I guess Jack Black could have, but, you know, Jack Black's got that, those googly crazy eyes and his antics. I thought, wow, you know, Jack Black would have played this role wonderfully as well. But Josh Gad did a great job. But one thing that I agree with you, Tim, you can tell the listeners, this is one gripe you probably have and probably skipping ahead. You kept thinking of who the whole time throughout the film. Yeah, well, Olaf. And that's probably the only reason why I probably mentioned Jack Black versus Josh Gad. But Josh Gad did an amazing job. Well, one of the biggest issues that I had was that I, I feel like Josh Gad is being, there. he's overplaying his hand with Disney. Like you said, he was at the park uh, last week singing at Beauty and the Beast. You can find him at Epcot quite frequently when he's not filming down there by Frozen, uh, the ride. He'll go on the ride and, and entertain the guests who are standing in line there. Well, that's probably Disney promoting him, though, and it, hiring him to do that, you think? It could be, but... I'd do it if they paid me, you know, well, if I was Josh Kidd. Except, like I said, I think they're just overplaying the hand. You know, they're overexposing him is what it is. And, uh, you know, Olaf is a great character. They're, they're doing a second Frozen film, of, of which he'll be part of. And so... I don't know. Maybe it's different because it's a cartoon, but the voice isn't different. It's the same voice. And so when I was watching this film, if I close my eyes for a second, you could see it was Olaf. I know. It and yeah, Olaf. but when you look at Josh Gad and you look and you think about LeFou and the cartoon. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, the exact same. So I absolutely loved his character. Uh, Vicki, you got to go, right? I do have to go, and I'm sorry, listeners. Um, but he does look like the character. Yeah. Like the face and his, his like round body. body he type. did that whole yeah. computer thing. What are you talking about? You know how on um, Polar Express where they went with Tom Hanks' face so that the renderings of it would look like right? Tom Hanks. They did similar thing with Josh Gad's face on Olaf. Oh, I'm sure. They do that with all the characters. With the, vo- the voices of all the characters. Disney tries to have a caricature of... of of them. Right. So that's why when you look at him, you see Oh, sure. Oh, sure. All right, listeners. I love you. I'm sorry I didn't get to give my input, but Beauty and the Beast is awesome and take your kids to see it. You got to roll and have dinner with the familia, right? Yes. All right. Have a Mountain Dew for me. All right. All right. See you, Bixter. Enough about Josh Gad, though, but I kind of want to go to um, backup Gaston. Luke Evans, I thought, played an amazing Gaston. Yeah, it was perfect. I fell in love with this character. Did you? Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Talk about a man's man. He's everything you want to be as a right. man, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm jealous of the guy's arms for sure. My favorite my favorite part, uh, the first arm, second arm, third arm? Both arms. Are you killing? Oh. <laughs> All right, I see what you did there. Um, I love the part in the film where he's talking. You don't know this because the ca- the angle of the camera. But he's talking to the camera and how beautiful, you know, this person is. And he's looking in a mirror. Right. right? They give the perception that he's talking to somebody else. Right. It is hilarious. But it's him. Yeah. And, and it's him. Oh, yeah. I guess we should have said spoil alert. You know, oh. if, you're, if you're listening to this episode, we're going to be talking about all things being peace. Like, <laughs> spoiler. Kind of Kind of came late. But uh, I would assume you would have turned it off already by now if that's the case. But what are some other characters we have in this film here? Well, we had... Uh, Star-studded, really was star-studded. So Kevin Klein played Maurice. I've got some thoughts about that character. Um, did a great job. He did a great job, but I didn't like what they did with the character. We can talk you about don't? that. You don't? Okay. Ewan uh, McGregor. Yes. Is Lumiere. So Loved I don't know. It. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job. A, a cocky Lumiere. Like I felt that he was cocky in this film compared to uh, just his. French flamboyant self, you know, in the cartoon. In this one, he was flamboyant and cocky. Yeah, so you kind of get the feeling that he is the he's the alpha male between him and Cogsworth. Yes. You know, in the movie, as yes. opposed to the other way around in yes. the original. Yeah. He's, he's like a little player over in France. Yeah, he, I, he was a great job. He did a great job. Uh, let's see who else. Oh, Ian McKellen, who played Cogsworth. Yep. You know, Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, so I'm a dork. I'm in the theater, and I'm like, I know this guy. Uh, <laughs> What are the movies that you play in? And you're like, dude, duh. But it was just funny when he looked that look you gave me, like, are you on crack? Well, but you weren't seeing his face, right? 
you're seeing a clock. No, no, afterwards, when he was transformed back into oh, his human yeah. self. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, oh, we had Emma Thompson. For Mrs. Potts, Mrs. she did a wonderful job. Mother hen, motherly type. I mean, just did a great job. It's such a hard, all of them, really, though. Such a hard, hard role to overcome. Uh, you know, big shoes to fill. Angela right. Lansbury did an amazing job. And so, um, but but Emma Thompson was great. She really did a great job as well. And then Stanley Tucci, you know, he was the maestro cadenza. Uh, pretty funny role. That was a funny role. I loved it. And I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, spoiler alert, when she first, or uh, when Maurice first gets to the castle, and he's, you know, hearing noises all around. Right. The song that's playing by Maestro is uh, one of the songs from the movie. And I'm not yes. going to spoil that. Yes, I won't it tell is. you, but pay attention because it's one of the songs from the movie. Yeah, no, you're right. And he's playing it, and he walks in on him, and he starts playing immediately. Right. The piano goes dead. Right. Yeah, that's fine. So, it, little Easter egg. And it's like a pretty crappy piano too. Like it's been well, it's not there. a piano; it's a harpsichord. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's been there for eons, and it's like decaying. It right. Was, it was pretty cool. So, previewing thoughts, Tim. So, going into the movie, I was like you. I had some really low expectations. I wanted it to be great with every fiber of my being, and it met and exceeded in a lot of aspects some of my feelings. Um, but first of all, I didn't understand why they cast Emma Watson in this role. I think she did an amazing job. An amazing it. job. Um, but I really felt that they should have gone with some unknown singer, maybe somebody off Broadway, who the, you know, somebody that the, the country doesn't know in general that's got a big, powerful voice. Paige O'Hara in the original did a, an amazing job. And uh, I really felt that going with Emma Watson, who as everybody knows, was Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter series. Um, that, that, you know, and we've never heard her sing, but I really felt that it was going to be a letdown. It wasn't. She oh, no, hit dude. the ball out of the park. Uh, after seeing the movie, I felt like she was cast perfectly. She looked the part. She did a fantastic job in the role. Um, although I didn't, you know, her, her voice is not as, as strong and as powerful. But it's just as beautiful, uh, you know, in a, in a softer It's soothing. Way. It, right. it was very soothing, you know? Yeah, it, um, it was great. She did an amazing job. She totally looked the part. I had the same expectation going into the film. I wasn't so sure about Emma Watson. But after, like I said, the first five minutes of the film, this is amazing. You know, I turned to my wife, like I just told you earlier. This is amazing. Yeah, and one of the things that I felt that they did a, a great job in, by bringing her on was some of the things that she did off screen. So if you notice while you're watching the movie, she's not wearing um, she's not wearing flats. She's wearing boots. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, she made some changes uh, in so much as, as bringing Belle or, or or having Belle a little bit more independent and not so much following in her father's footsteps. Uh, that's one of the problems I have with the Maurice role. Yes, they did not have her stick out being the odd character that she was portrayed in the cartoon. She was portrayed that way in the movie, but not to the same extent. One thing I didn't know was she was from Paris. Right. You don't catch that in the cartoon, that she moved from Paris, right, to the well, small the only, village. Yeah, so they don't discuss that. and that So that's one of the things that she brought to the film Right, which she I went to the screenwriters. Cool. It was she, a backstory. Yeah, she said, "Where's the backstory? There's got to be a backstory." And so there are a, a few scenes that uh, that give you some 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 of that information and and show you where she came from and why she's there. So if you notice, also something visually, so her dress is is blue and white, right? And she's got a lot of blue, the color blue on her. In the cartoon, uh, in the cartoon. The animators purposely didn't have anyone else in the village wearing blue. She is the only character wearing blue to help her stand out. I, I was kind of looking for similarities between the cartoon and the movie to see if they do the exact same thing. And they were right off the bat, there was a whole bunch of characters wearing blue in the village. Right. So she wasn't the only character wearing not only just the same color blue, but all different shades of blue. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. They don't have the Masonic uh, imagery like they have in the cartoon 
in this movie either. I'll have to see it a second time to kind of look for it, but that's not there either. Like the geese flying above and an M and a Masonic M when LeFou and uh, Gaston are out hunting. They didn't have that. Um, What else was I going to bring up? Oh, the the three girls that are in the village that are just infatuated with Gaston and that are singing. You know what I'm talking about. Right. So the style of their hair in the cartoon, one of them is the style of Bells, one of them is the style of Ariel, and the other one is the style of uh, Jasmine. Well, in this film, they all had mangy, matted hair like you would if you're from that time period, right. living in a small village, with a, which I thought was cool. And I think this is where you and I differ. You know, I saw, I kind of saw some ear notes. I kind of peeked over there. We'll get to, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. How you didn't like how gaudy everything was. I have a different opinion on that. But what I really loved about the film, too, is even within the small village, they really portrayed it as a small village. Like, when you're traveling somewhere and you get off the beaten path and you're kind of scared a little bit because you have no idea where you're at and the people look strange and everything looks weird, that's how this village was portrayed. I kind of liked it. Well, for me, it wasn't so much the village as it was when they got to the castle. So even the opening scene when... You know, the prince, before he's transformed into the beast, has all this makeup on and the big giant wigs. And the ladies are walking around or dancing in these 200-pound dresses. And masks. Right, in masks. And and so I I understand that they were sticking to the period. Oh, yeah, when you have a ball, that's exactly what it would have been like back then. And I absolutely love it. I love it, how gaudy everything was, because that's how gaudy everything was back then. And it's almost like the gaudier things were. The higher status you had, you know, right. like, yeah, look, I can, I have enough money to do this, you know, yeah, to make it look as ridiculous as I want. I just wasn't a fan. Like, I, I'm not a fan of that style, so maybe that's I'm not why. either. No, and I thought the exact same thing you did too, Tim. I'm sat there and I'm like, oh, so I'm kind of disappointed in this. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, you know what? That's exactly what it would have looked like back right. then. So I'm glad they went to that, a traditional Paris-esque style. Well, and I guess part of it for me is looking at Lumiere and Cogsworth. You know, the simple uh, candlestick, the simple mantle clock from the original. Uh, now, he, in this movie, that's right. super engraved. But he's a man of money and status. He would have had something luxurious. He, and, he would have. And designed, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be just a simple watch. It's going to be a Rolex, right? <laughs> I mean, a Rolex of all Rolexes. Right. Uh, no, that's true. So I thought it was really cool. I liked that. Uh, some other previewing thoughts? Well, we talked about Josh Gad. Yeah. I had him on there. Um, I still think that he was he's being overexposed, but uh, he did do a great job. There's no doubt about it. By the time the end of the movie came around, um, you know, I, I had warmed up to him. Uh, but still, you close your eyes and it's all off. And so... I really wish they would have found maybe somebody else to do that. Uh, I agree with you there, but I'm glad you hit on a point where you said it by the end of the film, you fell in love with them. I almost feel like I crossed over that bridge as far as letting go of Olaf yeah. and realizing that it's Lefeu. And by the end of the film, I agree with you a little bit, but by the end of the film, I wasn't thinking of Olaf so much anymore. He had fulfilled that role of Lefeu. And that's how I saw him. Well, let me ask you this question. We know they're doing a Frozen 2. He's going to be part of that. Right. By the time... So so for me, part of this is that the, the Disney movies that I really like and love, I will watch over and over again. Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mer... You know, the Renaissance ones, right? Beauty and the Beast. I've got a lot of kids and they all love watching them as well. Am I going to watch this live action five, six, seven times... And, and then watch Frozen 2 or, or Frozen the original and be able to keep that separate, you know, that voice separate. And so that's where I kind of struggle a little bit. I'm sure Disney has used the same voices in other films. Oh, sure um, they have. But Olaf's voice it's is so distinct, unique and yeah. distinct. And so uh, for me, that was a bit of a concern. Just as popular. And see, you go, you're going into a thought that I had earlier Uh that you know during the renaissance there uh that basically is the catalyst to what disney is now and everyone goes back looks back at the renaissance said those were the second glory years for disney 
besides the very beginning. Well, for like us, we grew up then. It's right. the good old days. Well, that's what flipped Disney around. Right. Right. And and, and Michael Eisner. Let's well, love him or hate him. Frozen, I would say, is just as or even more popular than the Renaissance era cartoons. Oh, yeah. As much as we want to harp on Frozen, as much as I do, I really think, and I, and I hate even saying this because Frozen to me has just been overplayed. If they were to do a live action film of Frozen, what do you think? Well, I think it would be very successful. Yeah, and there's no doubt in my mind that as these films continue to be successful, and it, they continue to, to gross a billion dollars at the box office. I mean, it, that's just box office, right? We're right. not talking about promos. We're not talking about merchandise. This is box office. They're going to make $700 million off of this film. They will make any film in their vault into live action. No right. doubt in my mind. That's the direction Michael Eisner took this company was a money-making machine. And you see it. Now, if they go back and do a live action of Frozen, you're now you're going to have to go with Josh Gad as the voice of Olaf. You can't go with anyone else. Right. I think that's one character in the film out of all of them. You cannot go to anyone else but Josh Gad because he is iconic for that Olaf voice. And if you do it, that is a game changer for the whole entire film, in my opinion. No, I agree 100%. And one of the issues that, that I've read online with Disney remaking Aladdin is the issue that they're going to have with the genie and Robin Williams. So sure. Robin Williams, he signed some some paperwork, or in his will, it stated that his voice couldn't be used for a period of time. And it was like 50 years. I mean, it was a oh long time. Oh, my gosh. And so um, maybe the estate is willing to work out something with them. I, I don't know. But it's a big concern that they have because not only are they doing the live-action Aladdin, they've green-lighted a prequel about the genie right and nine or ten of his friends who are also genies for me aladdin is all about what robin williams was able to do yeah, one of those iconic voices again. absolutely iconic go and with, so yeah. i don't know how they're going to get around remaking it Ain't they would have the same problem if they didn't use josh gad with frozen Right, you know, the, the cartoon, line. the new cartoon coming out. Well, right? the or live, live action. action. Right. Agreed. So I don't know if maybe that the Disney, after seeing what Robin Williams put in his will, has gone to some of these guys and said, hey, Josh, we'll put you in Beauty and the Beast or whatever, but we're going to have to ha get you in the recording studio and get your voice down. Because if something was to happen, we need your voice. And, hey, and maybe the they could go back and get some of the original audio from the when they first recorded And that's it. when he'd have Disney in his hands, too. He could probably charge whatever he wants for his voice Absolutely. If, they're, if they're willing to contact him for it. Absolutely. You know? And so something else I read about Robin Williams when he was in the studio recording is he had a part of the script. He knew the storyline and had all of that. But most everything it's that unscripted. you hear is unscripted. Yes. And there are hours and hours and hours, thousands of hours worth of audio recordings where he just was ad-libbing. He's on crack cocaine. <laughs> well, and he recorded... He's going crazy. He I'm recorded, just kidding. I'm just kidding, but I'm just saying. He recorded when while everybody else was recording. He recorded more the following year. He filmed something else and went back to the recording studio and was like, you know, I just... I didn't think that that was right. I want to re-record. And he just continued to re-record up until they released the film. And they wow. were making changes. So there are... Probably not thousands of hours. I mean, that's that's a lot. But there are Many hundreds of hours that, of recordings that Disney owns that they can't use. And so maybe they can work something out. How is, uh, what about the music? What do you think about the music? Any concerns? Well, I was concerned that, you know, I wasn't sure how they are going to integrate that, you know. I was, I, was, I was concerned too. Yeah, so all of these great films, you know, it's the music. You know, the music brings us in and, and, and tell, helps tell that story. And so I wasn't sure how they were going to do it in the live action. But within minutes... Man, right off the bat, we the, knew. The bell, the, you know, not Belle herself, but you, you, don't you, you hear a bell, right? You yeah. hear the bell in the background of the town? Yep. And like as soon as you hear that, I was a kid again. Yeah. And then Emma Watson comes up singing, singing and, and walking, strolling. strolling along. Wow. Yeah, it was great. I my concerns were, were met and exceeded. I loved what they did with the uh, Gaston song. They That was the original that yes. Lincoln wanted to use. Really? It was, and they had shortened it because it was a little darker. 
and so they didn't feel like they could use that in the original film. But they came back and used it this time and uh, extended it, made it a little bit longer. Uh, my daughter, she's 14, she went and saw it this past weekend as well. And uh, she was, I asked her earlier, I said, you know, well, what did you think about the film? And the first thing she said was, I really like what they did with that song when they were in the tavern, Gaston. It was song. cool. I thought it was great. I thought that, you know, they added a couple songs. Um, I tell you, I'm with you on the score. I wish they would have made some changes there. Just with the cherry on top at the very end. I love what they even do at the very end by showing the cast. Oh. You know, how they play that out at the very end with the credits. Right. But if they had the original Alan Menken song, that would have been the cherry on top. That would have been, my whole world is complete now. Yeah. I am, so one of my uglies, and we'll talk about it some more, is that. And the Ariana Grande yeah. and the John Legend. It was great. Don't get me wrong. It was a wonderful mm. song. I thought it was good. I thought it was great. The, the this singing, is where we part ways. Okay, so the singing did set for a song. For, as far as the singing technical aspect of it, they sang great. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, they have I great voices. They do. I do not like in within that song the slow rock Delilah beat, the loop that they kept playing. And then the key change. And um, well, the original Al Making song is a slow rock version. Yeah, but it was not. So when Celine Dion sang it, um, the key changes were a little bit more drastic. Okay, I have to hear it again. Yeah, it. it, it I can't think of what Spit the it word out, is. Tim. Yeah, I can't think of what the word is, but it, but it's basically the loop. You know, right, it's, right. it's no, the I kick hear. drum I get loop. It. I get it. And I really felt like it was 1987, and I was with my 70-year-old grandfather driving from the city, you know. Really? And, um, you know, Delilah. All right, so we are um, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum yeah, here. Because I, I thought it was good. I don't think it was necessarily, like, great. I mean, it was, it was great as far as technically speaking, like, for the quality of, of, of the two scene. But, I mean, it's, but as far as... Bringing everything all together, so, they should have gone with the original. I, I'm with you on on them and their ability to sing. Okay, and that's how and that's great what I, that was. That's what I mean by that. You know, and John Legend, you know, that dude is wicked smart. You know, he's got all kinds of degrees and in music and, and whatnot. Um, so there's no doubt that technically they could sing well. But whoever produced it and and laid that background tra uh, track and, and and did all that looping, I thought did a terrible job. Now, what about, we're going to go over some uh, good, bad, and ugly. We've kind of, you know, touched on a few of these key points, but let's start off with, you want to start off with the good? Yeah. Okay. So for me, the good was Emma Watson. Amazing. Yes. She A plus. Beautifully cast for this role. Beautiful person. She, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I still got her box. And <laughs> I don't know if. Is it soft and smooth or is it kind of rough now? Oh, it's beautiful. No, it's is still it? soft and smooth. So you put it in a nice place? It, um. Now, now what we're talking about, listeners, is the box. So, no. No, I mean, we better tell so, everybody. So, okay, so our listeners. So Tim bought an annual, another annual pass. So he got with it a magic band and it was all Emma Watson. And the whole box had Emma Watson all over it. And, and Beauty so, and the Beast. And you're right. Band. That's what yeah. it was. And. So the joke was, oh, this is Emma Watson's box, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I actually wore the magic band to the movie. Yeah, you did. You did. Well, you, you and know, I, and it what started, if they had it a cast glowing. member there? It started glowing. Yeah, I mean, what if there was a cast member there that saw that and was like, oh, dude, you get to go stay in the castle. Oh, yeah. Tap, right? you, on the, tap you on the tap shoulder. Tap you on the shoulder. Tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> So yeah, Emma so, Watson did a great job. Yeah, she was fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, I see you have something written down about Belle's backstory. Yes, yeah. huge supporter of this. This was amazing. So, you know, in the original film, when Belle is singing, well, and even in this film, she talks about uh, not fitting in. She doesn't understand why she's fitting in. This but poor in, town. Yeah, this yeah. poor town. And it's not our town, my town. It's she's. It's always this part town. They live right. separate from the town. Right. They do. Um, and so. Again, Emma Watson, she's a feminist. So with her being an uh, openly feminist uh, individual, she, she decided that Belle should have more independent backstory. Um, but when she's singing her song, she says, you know, every morning's just the same since the morning that we came to this poor provincial town. And so when you're watching the original, you, you, you get this, this inclination that they're not from there, but you never learn anything more. In this film, 
because she felt like there should be more of this backstory, we learn about it and we understand why Belle probably behaves the way she does uh, from all the other young women in this town. You know, she's, she's not from there. Um, like Nick mentioned earlier, she's from Paris. And I won't spoil why they, they moved to this town or, or what they're doing there, uh, but you do learn about that. Yeah, you do. What about what else you got? You got something about the prince, right? Yeah, so that was something else. Uh, the backstory a little bit for the prince. Um, you know, in this film, he's well-educated. You know, if you remember in the original, when he gives Belle the library, he kind of gives you the inclination that he's never read any of the books or that he's not interested in it or whatever. But in this film... Um, it's evident that he has read the books. And so what that does is it brings more credence to the fact that Belle and the Beast can fall in love. Because she, if she's not falling in love with somebody that's more well-rounded, then she might as well fall in love with Gaston. And right. so you never figure out, well, in the original, why she doesn't go for Gaston and she goes for a Beast instead. If Gaston was just educated. Right. He could have had Bell. He could have had Bell. Instead, he's the winner of the Nobel Prize. Yeah. yeah. Cha-ching. <laughs> but it, it makes a lot of sense because here that he's rich awesome. and he's affluent. And so it makes sense that he would have an education befitting right. of somebody that, that lives in a giant castle. So, so what about the bad? So the bad for me was just a couple of things. The first one was some of the CGI with the Beast. Originally, it was supposed to be all prosthetics and they made some changes and uh, went all CGI. I would have liked to have seen uh, like a Chewbacca stand in there, a Wookiee, right? A lot more hair. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like I, would have seen, I would have loved to have seen a costume rather than CGI because at times it looked really great, but then at other times it looked totally fake. Yeah, the big one for me was right after he fights off the wolves. And he's in bed, and mm. Belle's taking care of him. And yes. he has his shirt off, and you can tell that it's, it's I wouldn't say cartoony, but it wasn't. Um, so, so here, and here's where the angle I'm coming from. The last CGI movie was Jungle Book. Right, and it looked amazing. And it was amazing, and they couldn't pull off the same CGI in right. this one. Right, well, it's because they rushed it. Because, well, I don't they know. either rushed it, or they were done with it. Before the Jungle Book, because they sat on this movie uh, yeah. for so long. Now, my wife made a point when he's laying in bed, and it could be because of the angle he was laying down, but it did seem to be for like a lot of frames, his horns were missing. I noticed that as well. You notice his horns, I, and then they yep. appeared, and then they're back. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a blooper, or or you know if it's the shadows. Maybe we didn't right. see it. But if they are being pressed down into the pillow. You would have seen the indentation of right. the horns in the pillow, but you didn't see that at all. I agree. And I so agree. I'm like, oh my gosh, honey. But it was like for, it had to have been hundreds of frames yep. by the time your eye catches it, that the horns were missing. So, yeah, a couple minutes, easily. Uh, yeah, a couple sec. Yeah, yeah, for a handful of seconds. Uh, they disappeared and then all of a sudden they're there again. It was really weird. Yeah, because I noticed it. I noticed that they would be there, then they'd be gone. And then right. they'd be there, and then they'd be gone. Yeah, it was really so it weird. wasn't just okay. A okay, I, I always saw it that one time. When after my wife noticed it, I'm, I looked for it, and I was like, "Oh yeah. my gosh!" It just, "Oh my gosh!" They're back on. Right. Like it kind of flip flopped like that. It was really weird. So I have to agree with you. Bad, yeah, bad CGI on the Beast. Yeah. At times it was great, but at other times it was very it was awful. Low. And and in other aspects of the film where the other CGI was used, I didn't have issues with it. It really just did come down to the Beast. So uh, another bad though. I, I felt was Maurice, the character of Maurice. In, in this film, he wasn't affable. He wasn't the eccentric um, or exocentric inventor that he was in the animated film. Uh, Belle appeared to be the inventor in this film, always having to hand him something and to help him out. He just seemed to be more of a tinkerer and a clockmaker. But what I loved about his character in the cartoon, he was not portrayed as anyone was a fatherly figure. And in this film, he was very much into his daughter. He very much loved his daughter and his wife and his family. He was very much a caretaker. In the cartoon, he was not. He wasn't interested in Belle. He was interested in his own agenda. Nothing else mattered. And that really you could really tell in the cartoon. But it's almost like his role reversed in this film. He was very much a, a lover, a dad. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, I agree there. I, part of that, I think, goes back to the backstory. Um, you learn, you True. know, you find out 
that, uh, and, and every, you know, everybody knows that Bell doesn't have a mother while they're there. Um, so this is no spoiler, but he has to play both of those roles like any right. other single parent would have to. Right. And so I think you're right. I think you're right. What about the ugly? Oh, we've already mentioned this, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so Ariana Grande and John Legend singing that Beauty and the Beast song. All right, so we've hashed that. Next yeah. one. Um, okay, we talked about this too. Yeah, the, the hype over this first openly gay character. I, oh, and the cross-dressing mob guy at the end. <laughs> you know, There was that, what, 10-second right. little thing. It was funny. I don't think a kid's going to pick up on any of that stuff because I think kids in general anyway think it's funny. It's yeah. funny. It's funny, haha. It's not like they're, you know. Well, so that's a problem, though, I think, that they had with this film and all this hype over this is I think that it, it, it became a caricature of itself. And so if Disney was trying to uh, push the envelope and, and bring some, of the, some more acceptance right. to that, I think that they did us a service because when I saw the guy standing there in women's clothes, I'm laughing at the guy. I'm not thinking to myself, oh, how wonderful. There's finally a, a male character right. who's cross-dressing in a Disney film. And let's, let's face it, not that you should have any of it in there, but in my opinion, but it's better than, uh, you know, SEX being blown up in the sky <laughs> and Lion King. Yeah, right? or the Little Mermaid it's better, cover. Yeah, it's better than the Little Mermaid cover. It's better than the priest, you know, that has the right. erection in The Little Mermaid. Right. It's better than the naked woman that the appears rescuers. and rescues down under. Right. right. So, I mean, all that's been in Disney films throughout the decades. This is nothing new. And honestly, this is very light compared to what has been in there in, the, in Disney films in the past 20 years. Right. And, and not... The first time either. No. It really is not the first time. So, you know, my thoughts on this is that, you know, all this hype and everything, if you're not going to this film because you have heard about these these things, right. you are really missing out on a great film. If yeah, um, if you laugh you know, on if you laugh at on sitcoms with openly gay characters and how funny, you know, that people per- they're portrayed in sitcoms, you know, everyone's laughing and stuff because they'll say witty things or funny stuff. I mean, this isn't any worse. I mean, actually, it's even better. I mean, it wasn't bad at all. You know, I, I was listening to a radio station. I'm not going to mention them uh, last week on the news. And this lady called in and a few others did and how awful it is for Disney to do this. And they're pandering to the gay community. Um, and yeah, OK, so maybe they are. I'll agree to that. OK, that's a good point. Valid point. But it wasn't as bad as like most people were, were throwing it out there. And I'll let my kids see it. I watched it first just to see if there was a lot in there, but right. there's not. No. I, if you're not going to go see this, you're, you're missing out on one of the year's best films. Yeah. And probably a film that's going to win some Oscars. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So very last thing that you want to go over, you want to go over some trivia. Yeah. And, and more than just a little trivia, these are just some tidbits out of the film. Um, and just go ahead and list them through, and then we'll, we'll wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, so Ryan Gosling was actually offered the role of the Beast in this film. So I'm glad he didn't take it. I'm not, I know a lot of people out there listening are fans of Ryan. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm, he's a great actor. Don't get me wrong, I think he's a great actor. I just can't get into his roles. Well, I'm jealous of the guy. I mean, he's beautiful. <laughs> That's your man crush? You know, oh, well, he's not my man crush. I bet my but he's man crush can beat up your man crush. <laughs> All right, um, what else? But he appeared in La La Land. Yes, he did. And, and Emma Watson was first role. Um, she was cast to be in La La Land, but pulled out to do this film. And I think both of them made the right decision. I agree. So um, Bill Condon, who directed this film, uh, when he first spoke to Disney about directing it, they weren't sure that they wanted to make this a musical. And he basically came out and said, with all due respect, if it's not a musical... I'm not doing it. You guys are crazy. The songs are too good. And uh, you're going to spend all this money building this big, beautiful live-action film and not do Be Our Guest? That's what Howard Ashman did for, for uh, the, the Disney company, Disney Animation Studios. He made the, Dennis, uh, the, the Disney Renaissance era all musicals. He created all those, you know, didn't create all the scores, but created most of the music and made them into what they are today. You have to keep it a musical. Howard Ashman would be turning his grave if you didn't. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that Disney listened for a change. <laughs> um, Sir Ian McKellen, he originally turned down the voice for Cogsworth in okay. the original 1991 Oh, film. really? Right. He was too busy, 
And but he uh, said yes time, this time. But he didn't want to turn it down this time because he loved the original so definitely, much. Definitely, definitely. Um, Ewan McGregor, who played Lumiere, uh, he had a lot of difficulty getting the French accent down, accent down. Who wouldn't, man? Now, right? He's married to a woman from, from France, from, 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 but his wife is French. They eat a lot of French bread. And uh, she actually coached him and helped him. But the only problem he had was that he, he sounded more and more like somebody from Spain. Okay. And so after they finished filming, Disney came back to him and said, hey, we need to redo all of your voiceover. And he had to re-record everything. Wow. And uh, so that was part of the reason that this, the film was delayed the way it was delayed. Um, the, the, the film was finished on August 27th of 2015. Wow, they that's waited, a while back. Yeah, they waited 18 months to release it. Um, some other big news. You know, uh, according to Disney, the first trailer that dropped was viewed over 91 million times. And that was something as simple as just panning out from a rose. And that's in 24 hours. Yeah. So you see a rose encapsulated with some glass. Right, in a case. In a window. That's it. Yep. Um, so it's the most viewed teaser trailer in history, beating The Force Awakens, wow. another Disney film, yeah. which had 88 million views within 24 hours, and another Disney film, Captain America Civil War, which had 61 million views. Wasn't a big fan of that film. Civil War? Yeah. I no? just I think it's getting old. Mm. I, think, I love Marvel. Oh, we're going to talk about I, that. I think it's getting old. All right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Emma Watson was previously set to star in another Beauty and the Beast film that was set up by Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. And I don't know all the details there. Uh, Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct it. Things fell fell through the cracks. Uh, I'm glad she Ooh, didn't do it. Disney had to beat out Warner Brothers, brother. <sighs> That's what I'm thinking. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. So uh, great job to Disney. Uh, this is the fifth live action that Disney's done. That is themed musical. Um, after Cinderella, Enchanted. I was so let down by Cinderella. Yeah, I was too. I haven't even gotten through the whole thing. Me yet. either. I've, and I've tried multiple times. And I'm, I'm so let down by that film. I, want, I wanted so much for Cinderella. I really liked Enchanted. Yeah? I mean, that was a good song or a good movie. It had some great songs. Um, Into the Woods, I have not seen. And, but then, of course, Mary Poppins. I right. mean, the original, right? Um but this is the first Disney live-action adoption of a previously animated to be treated as a pure musical. Okay. So none of the others were. Um, adjusted for inflation, this is the most expensive musical that was ever made. That, that portion of the budget was really? $160 million. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then the last thing I have, the, the last little bit of tid, uh, tidbit I have, is that Maurice, who's been played by... Kevin Klein, um, that character is based on Geppetto from Pinocchio. Uh, both are old single men. You're right. Old single fathers. Uh, they're creators. They're cre yes. Uh, they, they make music boxes and toys. Um, and then they both get separated from their children, Belle and Pinocchio, respectively. Very good point. So, so yeah. Very good. So, overall... I thought that this film, um, it really has, Disney set itself apart from all of their other live remakes like Cinderella. And yeah. uh, it's their first attempt to create something from their renaissance period. Um, you know, Emma Watson was great. Um, it, it was beautiful. She did an outstanding, wonderful job. And uh, I really felt that, it, you know, if, if you're going to compare it to the original, you're probably going to be disappointed a little bit because it's not exactly the same if that's what you're looking for. But this movie stands on its own. It, it is um, in many ways better than the animated. It's longer. Um, the storyline is more plausible. The improved characters of the Beast and Belle, um, you know, the love that she has for him and her and him for her is more plausible. Um, but there were a couple of times I felt like you wanted a little bit more, like the ending you're talking about yeah, with the music. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted a little bit more, maybe of Gaston. You know, you know, maybe Disney should do its own movie for him. Um, but without a doubt, this is going to become a, a Disney classic. 
And, it's gonna be a cult, um, cult classic. Absolutely, and it does not replace the animated. Whatsoever. They should. They should do another. They should do another one called Frozen. I'm telling you, <laughs> that would supersede this one. I, I guarantee it. That'd make more money. It would. I guarantee you. As much as I, you know, cringe saying that, I think it would. Hey, thanks for listening to our review of Beauty and the Beast. And if you like to hear more reviews like this, just keep on listening. We're gonna launch the all new Mousecapades podcast in April. And with that, thanks for listening to the Mousecapades podcast. And we're very excited about the changes that are to come. Hey, guys, don't forget to check out the Mousecapades radio. You can find that at mousecapadespodcast.com. Just click on the right-hand side. You'll see a link. Just click on it. You're just one click away from enjoying on-ride audio, background loops, fireworks shows, parades, resort TV audio, and more that you can hear at Walt Disney World, Disneyland, right now, and from trips from the past. Thanks again to our latest sponsor, MagicalMouse.com. Listeners, if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on our next show, email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. That is soon to be changing. We'll let you know, of course, when it does. You can still shoot us a text at 407-674-0414. Hey, Tim, I think it's about that time. Peace. Hakuna Matata. Have a magical day, my friends. Tale as old as time. True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little change Small to say the least Both a little scared Neither one prepared Beauty and the Beast Ever just the same Ever a surprise Ever as before just as Rising in